this is Got Marketing, a fad-free, fluff-free, no-nonsense podcast for marketers looking to work smarter. I'm your host, Mia Feilman, a marketing strategist with over two decades of experience and an entrepreneur. I'm tired of marketers telling you what you want to hear. Instead, I tell you what you need to hear. During the show, I chat with creatives and strategists about all the aspects of marketing, but especially marketing campaigns. Unpacking and dissecting marketing campaigns is what I do for fun. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, the marketing education platform where marketers and entrepreneurs go to upskill. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Got Marketing Show. I'm your host, Mia Feilman, and today we are going to talk about whether marketers have become lazy. To have this chat with me, I've invited back one of my dear friends and one of the first people I ever had on the Got Marketing Show, and that is Erin Morris. And Erin is the founder of Young Folks, an independent marketing agency using business as a force for good. They're proudly a certified B Corp with carbon neutral credentials verified by Climate Active, and they give back to 1% for the planet. Erin believes in using marketing as a vehicle to get radically better results. Welcome back, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here and be chatting with you. I know. And so much has changed since you were on the show about a year ago when literally nobody was listening. And now we're a top 20 marketing podcast in Australia. Whoop, whoop. Honestly, I feel like I'm just glad I still make the cut (laughs) now that you're so famous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, I wish. No, not at all. You are such an insanely clever marketer and we probably should have started recording like 20 minutes ago when we pseudo had the chat before we even pressed the record button and now we have to do it all over again. But I'm very, very excited for this conversation. So you sent me a bunch of DMs while you were out for your walk with this epiphany and you have a bit of a hypothesis about Meta and Google. Let's hear it. I do have a hypothesis. So (laughs) I have this sort of, I've observed that I believe that we are witnessing kind of the demise or it's the beginning of the demise of this Meta and Google duopoly. And, And by that, I mean, for such a long time, a lot of marketers have been heavily reliant on Facebook and Google platforms. And when I think about, well, Meta and Google, we've got within the Meta stable, like WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, Messenger, there's a lot kind of in that mix. And within Google, you've got like Google search, YouTube, like Google ads, there's a lot in there as well. So you've got a mix of like organic and paid in both of those platforms. And there's certainly the places where there are the biggest audiences that we can target as marketers, but marketers could be leaving money on the table by not considering other channels as well. And by really executing that omni-channel marketing strategy. Totally. So I'm a big, big advocate for omni-channel. But do you think that what's causing this demise of the duopoly? Like, is it the introduction of TikTok? Is it the fact that LinkedIn has like seriously raised their game and is essentially now the new Instagram? What do you think's contributed to this? 
I think it's a couple of things, right? Like I don't think that they're going away. I want to clarify. I don't think Facebook and Meta and Instagram are going to disappear. And I don't think Google's going to disappear either. It's more that our attention as individuals is heading to other places. And possibly that's because of some of the decisions that the platforms have made around, particularly Meta, around how they present their apps to their audiences and Instagram's kind of become TikTok, but TikTok's still doing it better. And then you look at like audiences then gravitating towards TikTok or gravitating towards LinkedIn. There's been a whole like hashtag thread on Instagram about people that want to like bring back more of a photo sharing app. Like I've talked to a lot of people that are like millennials and they're like 30 plus people just want a photo sharing app. And if you read through the comments when Instagram did their latest update on their app store, there are thousands of negative reviews about that. So there's definitely something happening there. And I sort of zoomed out and had a bit of a look at what's happening within those platforms on a macro level. And if you look at Meta, they're really going deep into the metaverse. So everything that they're doing is evolving to take us deeper into the virtual world. Whereas Google have just launched digital out of home. So out of home being like your billboards and everything. So Google's almost going deeper into the the real world. (laughs) So they're kind of both diversifying their platforms in different ways. And I think people are responding to what Google are doing better than they're responding to what Meta's doing, certainly anecdotally. But with the rise of other platforms, like you said, TikTok, LinkedIn, even people spending time on Reddit, you can go deep on like Reddit in subreddits and like connect to your community there or Quora or even Spotify ads. There's just so many Twitter ads. There's so many different ways that marketers can reach their audiences and engage with them. And for such a long time, a lot of marketers have relied on a sort of two-pronged approach to their their marketing and not considered that omni-channel approach. Yeah. Okay. So the Instagram hashtag is make Instagram, Instagram again, I think. <laughs> and it was Kim Kardashian that came out and said, no, I don't want this entire platform to be Reels. I want it to be a photo sharing app. And that actually got Meta's attention because she has the biggest following on Instagram than anybody else. So definitely look that up. That's fun. Loved what you said about Reddit. So one of my favorite brands is Notion, the minimalist software company that's like a project management tool. And they have built a Reddit community like no other. Like they have really mobilized their evangelists and turned their fans into evangelists using Reddit. So I really like that. So I guess, are you saying that if people are not enjoying meta platforms and Google, I'm not enjoying meta platforms, that it's probably the right time to go and fish in other ponds? Or are you saying that we should continue on those platforms because they still are massive, but that we should also spread our risk across other channels? The second one. Yeah. So we, and we see this kind of in real times in an agency setting, looking at the results for campaigns across a wide variety of industries. So we're very fortunate in that agency position to have a a lens on a lot of different things, not a lot of different industries and business models and products and services. So it's not just one thing where we're saying, oh yeah, Facebook ad still works. We're saying that across a spectrum of different industries, it's still working. But what we are seeing is other places are working too. And 
in a way, if you kind of, if you think about like that question that we're sort of unpacking here around like our marketers, like have we become lazy? I would say that in some ways, some marketers have become lazy because we've become extremely reliant on two platforms and we should always be considering like the fundamentals of marketing, which is, you know, taking your offer and, or your key message and taking it to your target audience wherever they are in order to maintain that ongoing brand awareness so that when they are ready to purchase, there you are, like at the top of mind, ready to serve them. And that's where we kind of need to be heading back to, I feel. Yes, absolutely. That's right. So you found a recent research that Byron Sharp, the professor of the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, wrote, was that right? And he was talking about this. Can you take us through that? Yeah. So I love this article because it really went into, there is like research and development around marketing. And a lot of the time marketing can feel a little bit like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, but it doesn't have to be like testing and experimenting is an important part of marketing, but that shouldn't, it doesn't give you a license to just be chaotic because you're always testing. Like there needs to be an element of structure and, and strategy to any kind of marketing work. And what I thought was really interesting about, you know, some of the the points that he kind of makes in the article is that things like, you know, your paid search, your in-store display, your price promotions. He talks about like special offers, all of those things. The way he phrases it is that they catch people when they fall, but people who aren't in market don't see them. And most people are not in the market. And when we talk about in market, we mean like essentially ready to purchase, right? And I love thinking about this in like practical terms because that's a little bit marketing jargony. So the way I kind of explain this, I ran this through with our content producer, David, to be like, does this stick before (laughs) jumping on this call? And the way I kind of see it is like, if you could track the conversions (laughs) that are generated by the Dare Ice Coffee and Donut offer that's at point of sale at 7-Eleven during tradey peak hour, it would probably be pretty high. Like you can't necessarily track it unless it has a QR code on it. But if you knew every time that flyer worked get to get a purchase, you'd be pretty impressed with the marketing results from this. What actually got the tradie into 7-Eleven in the first place? It's brand awareness. And so that's what this kind of whole report from Byron talks about is like marketers have become obsessed with like performance marketing because it's measurable at the expense of remembering that brand awareness activity is often the thing that makes people convert via performance marketing in the end anyway. Yes. Now you're speaking my language that marketers have potentially gotten quite lazy with performance marketing in lieu of long-term brand building. Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice. Nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real-world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. So one of the things I want to talk about is how do we define brand awareness? What exactly is brand awareness? Is it just that people know who you are or is it also that they know what you offer? 
That is a great question. I think there's like many aspects and layers to this. I think if we were talking to say like someone that works in media planning, they would have layers of like this brand awareness, then there's brand recall, then there's brand uplift and so many different ways to kind of measure this. And, but I kind of like to think of it as the purpose of building brand awareness is to generate demand, right? So it's to get someone to know to go to 7-Eleven <laughs> that you have donuts and dare ask coffee. <laughs> but then you're really generating that demand to make sales easier in the future. So you still have to have other things happening like sales enablement. Like you don't want someone to just know 7-Eleven exists. You need them to know that 7-Eleven exists and they sell these things in order to get them to like consider coming in. So for me, it's that. So I define brand awareness as someone having the ability to think of your brand when they or somebody that they can influence is ready to make a purchase decision. Love that. That's so good. Please take note, personal branding people who just talk about themselves and all their success signaling, but, and I I know who their names are, but I don't actually know what they sell at all, what they offer or how they can solve any of my problems. Like this is, I'm seeing this play out spectacularly with, you know, brand awareness is not just me knowing your name. It's also understanding how you can solve a real problem. Okay. So what are some examples of brand building marketing? Who does this really well? Well, we were talking about this earlier, right? And like a brand that comes to mind, often when you think about brand awareness, the things that come to mind first are often your FMCG or like big retail brands that have big budgets to invest in making sure that you never forget them. (laughs) So you think about like Nike, you think about Coca-Cola, like they all have a really clear promise. They have a clear visual identity so that they're recognizable. And something that came out of this report was this argument by Byron that you just need to be brand awareness always on marketing all the time. And, you know, I tend to sort of disagree with that in that if it's always on marketing, it becomes quite bland. You know, that probably works in like an FMCG sort of category or maybe it works for certain aspects of marketing. Like you can always think about the taglines and the catch cries of big retailers, like lowest prices every day or like lowest prices or we'll beat it by, you know, 5% or whatever it is. Like, you know, the brands that they come from. I'm sure me just saying that you you can imagine the big green warehouse. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, you know. Just the beginning? Lowest prices are just the beginning? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember working on a big retailer when their like their tagline changed from you know the works to big ideas lowest prices and there's such a big thing like they've got these big taglines and they run these big campaigns to make sure that you never forget these things so we often think about these big brands in that but I also think there's some like less big brands that are doing a spectacular job of this too and one that always comes to mind is Modibody they are just so fantastic at aligning their message. They do all the things like a big brand does, but they do it almost like a guerrilla marketer in a way. Like they just have employed, instead of having, you know, TV ads running 24 seven and radio ads running 24 seven, they've got this incredible mix of content marketing and digital advertising and brand storytelling and, you know, evangelist activation, all these things that they do to make, and the campaigns that they run, like it's not just them saying the same thing about having, period proof undies like they did this incredible campaign around putting you know images of women postpartum on Getty images to like kind of even the score with all this like no images of postpartum women available so they kind of saw that opportunity and jumped on it 
So I just think there's that's a there's some great examples. Look to big brands, but also look to like savvy smaller brands that are really making waves. The challenger brands, I think, often do really smart marketing. Do you know someone who I don't think does very smart marketing at all? And that is HelloFresh. And being a millennial woman with a family, I am like the number one target audience for HelloFresh. So I receive every single communication that they have and like a million freaking coupons in my letterbox and I get all the retargeting and everything, but none of it is particularly good. Their latest TVC is supermarkets aren't that super. And um, it's quite creative. You see a woman pushing a trolley, but you can only see her legs. And she's just moving around the supermarket as if to intimate that she is just going around in circles. And literally that's all it says. Supermarkets aren't that super. That's cool, dudes. But there are many meal kit companies. Like you haven't given me a reason to choose yours. It's almost like they're marketing for the category. I just, I don't know. I think it was a failed tagline in a way for a campaign because it's almost like they looked to Aldi and said, oh, Aldi said we're different. They went, but I'm like, yeah, but Aldi said they're good different. So they still said what was good about them. HelloFresh have just said supermarkets aren't that super. They didn't say what was anything good about them. They didn't tell us why we should consider them. They just said supermarkets are bad. And we're like, yeah, we all know that. (laughs) They're annoying (laughs) us, but they're still convenient. I can still go in there and get what I need. Exactly. It has left me scratching my head because I'm like, okay, great. You've told me something I already know, which is that supermarkets are frustrating, but you haven't convinced me why I should consider trying HelloFresh or even one of your competitors because they also, uh, anyway, we digress, I'm sure. I think you raise a really important point there about brand awareness marketing though, is that if you're going to put the effort into building brand awareness, best make sure that you're building brand awareness around a clear no-brainer offer. Like give people a reason to choose you so that when they're ready to make a choice, and as Byron says, when they're ready to fall, like there you are at the top of their mind with that great clear offer and then they can, you know, see your point of sale flyer or click on your Google ad or click on your Facebook ad and it's all lining up and it all makes sense to them. It's like the stars have aligned and it's just so easy to buy from you. Exactly. I think that's the point I was trying to make earlier about brand awareness. It's not awareness at any cost. It's the right awareness for sure. And also if anyone's listening and they're just like, yeah, but you recalled the name Mia. So it obviously worked on you guys. I'm not exactly the average consumer. I consume TVCs like you consume marriage at first sight. Like this is what I do for fun. So of course I recall these. I'm definitely not the, you know, the average consumer here. Campaigns are my life. Interestingly in the article, the Byron Sharp article, I thought it was really good. He throws some serious shade. We're going to link it in the show notes. Something I did absolutely agree with, and I see this all the time, especially with when I'm watching SBS On Demand or any of those streaming shows, and I watch the same ad for the entire episode. It's like every ad break and I'm watching the same insurance TVC or the same thing, and they've gone and they've purchased all the spots in a particular show and then they disappear and you don't hear about them for months. And that's just really bad media planning, don't you think? 
I would say that is lazy programmatic marketer. <laughs> so here we are on the podcast to call out which marketers we think have been lazy. <laughs> There's a few <laughs> people in our firing line so far. <laughs> programmatic buyers. So bad. Like it's so brands are so lazy with programmatic. It's just this, it's because it's in digital. So it doesn't in a lot of brands minds warrant proper media planning. So it's just a throw it on the digital budget, throw it on programmatic and they'll just buy all this remnant inventory that's left on programmatic kind of, you know, buys and then throw whatever asset we've got in there. And I think that's when you like brands and marketers forget that like consumers are consuming all of their creative, their content, their advertising campaigns. And there's, I honestly felt like I was developing a knot in my stomach listening to you talk about experiencing watching the same ad over and over again because I feel the same and it just makes me want to frisbee my laptop like or just stop watching the show and the worst bit is in plain like online streaming often if you mute the ad it stops playing because it's like the platform's forcing you to watch the ad so yes that is classic lazy programmatic advertising or when it doesn't buffer and so then you need to like stop it. And then of course, the minute you stop it, the ad is back and it's the same ad and they should measure what that does to brand value because I believe it's deteriorating it. And yeah, so we've lost a whole bunch of podcast subscribers today, uh, programmatic marketers, <laughs> performance marketers. <gasps> Good, good times there. It always, oh, you're always welcome back on the show. <laughs> Anytime, really. Okay, so we're moving to a cookie-less future. And so whether performance marketers listening to this agree or disagree with us, a day of reckoning is coming anyway because they better get comfortable with less data. Am I right? Yeah, so we've been seeing this like Apple really running the privacy angle and eroding a lot of the ability to track that marketers have had for a while, even into email marketing. Like now you can sign up for an email with your Apple account and mask your email address from the brand. So there's lots of things that Apple's doing that's impacting a bigger conversation around privacy and big tech. And that's influencing the ability for marketers to track activity. Even regardless of that, it's always been quite challenging to stitch together the holistic picture of all of the different touch points that have influenced somebody, you know, going ahead and purchasing because marketers like to describe the customer journey to purchase and then retention as a funnel or a bow tie. But actually it's more like a squiggly hot mess. It's almost like a drunk person running around at a festival, you know, seeing a lot of different acts. Like people, consumers go everywhere. Like, And this is where like media planning has always been so important historically. Like if you just cast your mind back to like, madman era of marketing there wasn't tracking like there is now and advertising and marketing still worked it was extremely effective without any tracking and it was because we had a deep understanding of consumer psychology behavioral psychology we planned out media so when you think about media planning I want to make sure that everyone listening understands that that is the process of thinking about your target audience and making sure that from the minute they wake up in the morning to the minute that they fall asleep at night, you've considered all of the possible touch points that they could have with media and marketing. 
and if your brand, if it's appropriate for your brand to be there and making sure if your brand is going to show up there, it shows up there with really great creative. So in, historically you would see a media agency working with a creative agency or a marketing agency or an advertising agency and media would plan how to get to them and creative would plan how to say what you want to say when you get to them so that you're representing the brand in all the right places in the right ways. So I think we know we can exist without a cookie to tell us if we're doing a good job. And I think a lot of us often forget that and a lot of marketers get so obsessed with the metrics that they've got in front of them that they forget the most important metric, which is probably the one their client or their boss or the CEO is looking at is like, did we make more sales? That's it. Like did marketing, like I said, it's the vehicle to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And if you're not doing the job of getting there, it doesn't matter if you had the best click through rate ever on an ad, if you didn't get more sales, then you best be able to explain why. And if that was because you generated amazing brand awareness and those sales are going to come in the future because you've secured that attention and that recall, that's great but you need to be able to articulate these things. Yes. And like, I might be showing my age here, but I'm really excited about this one because I believe that it's good for humanity that we have a more private future, but also I'm just really excited about ideas being the future of marketing and not data. And that madman era, like I've romanticized, it's definite, I don't miss the chauvinism and the chain smoking, but I do miss so many of the campaigns that came out of that, which was so unifying. Like if now someone pitched got milk or think small by Volkswagen, people would be like, no, that's out there. That's, that's not tar- specifically targeted enough. And so like, I really urge people to consider campaigns like Qantas's fly away or Uber eats the Snoop Dogg one where he, he sings to that one or pretty much any Nike campaign ever. That is not about precise targeting. It's mass marketing based on a really unifying, emotionally charged idea. And as a result, they're able to like mobilize lots of different segments and very different customer groups because the campaign idea is just so delicious. Absolutely. I love that summary. And I feel equally excited about a future of marketing that will probably make for advertising and creative that's a lot more interesting to consume and I know that we both we both love that like I'm the person that's you know sits on the train and is like wow that's a good ad (laughs) looking at the little sticker above the train seat that's a tiny little advertising banner there like I really am observing advertising absolutely everywhere (laughs) same I realized I went off the deep end because I do sunrise yoga with a bunch of business friends every day at 6 a.m and we were doing a youtube yoga like a yoga with adrian and the lndr campaign came up which was the we are lndr which is one of my favorite and I wouldn't let odette skip the ad (laughs) and everyone was like who is this person that we are doing yoga with that wants to watch the ad at 6am? And I was like, that 
it me. It me. They are a great brand to bring up as an example of a not as massive brand. Like I think they've gotten a lot more massive, but I've been observing their marketing maybe for like four or five years now. I have many pairs of their, their leggings. I've been convinced by the activity. And they do a great job with like a little bit of a guerrilla marketing campaign. So I know a lot of your listeners might be thinking, great, so you're telling me I need to run TV ads and become Nike? No, we're not saying that. Those principles will work at different scales of operation as well. It's about looking at defining your message, defining your no-brainer offer, defining your target audience, and then mapping out where are the places that you can reach them. And then you kind of look at the budget you have and go, well, what are the most reliable or the lowest risk places for me to go and reach them first? Like if you only had $1,000 a month or you only had 300 bucks, you could still apply this thinking and use the principles and fundamentals of marketing in a lean way to get the results that you're looking for, to build the brand that you want to build so that people understand who you are and they know how to buy from you. You might not have 300,000 people want to buy from you tomorrow, but do you need that right now? Or can you get there over time if you even want to? Totally. Of course, you can apply these principles to small businesses. I mean, the one that comes to mind just as you were talking was the Get Chris to Cowra campaign from the Cowra tourism body, which probably has no money. But they came up with this insanely clever guerrilla marketing idea of getting Chris Hemsworth to Cowra because, you know, he's a Tourism Australia ambassador. And they just use really clever copywriting and this really scrappy grassroots approach. And it was covered by every media outlet, including Sunrise and Carl Stefanovic went to Cowra. And then Chris Hemsworth said, yeah, I'll come to Cowra. That sounds great. Like this campaign went bonkers because the idea was just so insanely clever. Like, so we can absolutely apply these things. All right. Well, that's probably all we've got time for Erin, but is there any final thoughts you wanted to leave people with today? Ooh, final thoughts. I think it's really around don't be obsessed with just the things you can track. Be obsessed with creating marketing that makes your brand unforgettable. Love that. That's that's the perfect way to end. Thank you so, so much. It's always a pleasure. I will link everything below, but I could not sing Erin and Young Folks praises higher if I tried. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs and they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Fileman, on Instagram or LinkedIn and feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.